0: Well, here we are. I want to uh, invite you. If somebody Does anybody have a cell phone on them? Okay. Well, you don't have to turn it off. I want you to turn it on because I, I have a couple questions that I want to ask. And I know that some of you folks are just experts at finding out information. And uh, it might be helpful this morning. I have a couple questions to ask us. What's Christmas? I mean, what's Christmas about? And, um, let's just say, oh, yeah, let's just say you were from a foreign country and you were visiting our country. And not that Christmas is unique to, um, Minnesota or uh, unique to America or, any nation in a sense it's universal but what if you just were walking around observing what conclusions might you come to i was uh in mackintosh the other day of all places who's been to mackintosh okay well just for your sakes it's a little town up the road um on highway 2 and i pull into town and he the streets were kind of blocked, but they were putting up uh, lights. And I thought, wow, why do they do that in towns all over the place? Lights. So is Christmas about lights. There was a time in history when it actually was a festival of lights. And it came from the time of year it is to the, the sun solstice. Was at a certain time, where uh, we're changing from light to darkness, and the amount of light during the day to to uh, an amount of darkness, and there was a celebration, festival of lights. What if uh, you went to anybody been to Duluth? I heard that's a great place to go to go and see the lights and you'd come over the hill and if you came at the right time when it was dark and oof, lights decorations anybody been downtown Bemidji lately decorations they have uh, candy canes hanging from the stop lights and things like that right so is Christmas about lights is it about decorations how about music man there's some beautiful music Singing, caroling, concerts. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Some guy named, yeah, there you go. Some guy named Bing Crosby, right? So music is Christmas about music. Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without shopping, would it? Been to the mall lately? They have these big signs up. I'm I'm guessing that say Christmas sales and uh it's about deals and shopping and also um spending. And what I was going to say is if you had your cell phone maybe you could look up something interesting about lights. What time of year do do more lights go up than any other time of year, and how many lights, and who has the most lights on their property? You could look that up, right, on your cell phone. So, if somebody did that while well, I'm sharing a couple more thoughts, this now is a brief window where you can use your cell phone. But um, what about spe- you know spending? I hear. That people will wait all year long and save up some money to go into enormous debt at Christmas and to buy presents for people they never see and some people they don't even like to please people they never see and they don't even like. And they go into deep debt. Is that true? I mean, could you look that up on your cell phone? Christmas debt? Um, just thought, just a thought. But, uh, so spending isn't there is there some day called black friday is it does that mean it's good or it's bad- who knows what Black Friday is okay what is it buddy okay cheap prices that you can buy stuff But it's another day and it's kind of has something to do with Christmas I think what about gifts? I mean, Christmas is about gifts, isn't it? Isn't that what it's about? Gifts? Mostly what you get, or is it more about what you give? But it has to do with gifts, I think. If you were going around, and um, I know that if you came to my house, you might see some gifts, and if I went to your house, I'd probably find some gifts. More gifts than I would find in July, or more gifts than I would find in August, is Christmas about gifts? Wait a minute, I got it. It's about food. Christmas is about food. Lefsa, what else? Ooh, yeah, Luda. Luda Fisk Some people actually um, eat it and like it, right? Okay. Um, but maybe it's the, the Christmas ham or the stuffing or the potatoes, uh, cookies, Christmas cookies. Well, if it's, what's that? Wow, so did you hear that? So that's basically, that's an average. So each person, on average, goes $1,000 in debt at Christmas time. As if they were already in debt. Or I should say we. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay, wow. So maybe Christmas is about spending and going into debt. Um. What about um drinking? I mean, I'm not talk- talking just about alcohol, but it, it's about, you know, eggnog and other things and um parties and getting together as families, um pine trees, right? And what about uh red? Is Christmas about red and and white? Yeah. How about a beard? A guy with grey hair, right? And a and a big belly, black boots. Anybody know who that is? Santa. The elves, the reindeer. Um what about movies? Christmas is about movies. Anybody heard of the movie I think there's something called The Grinch? The Grinch Stole Christmas. Um is there a movie called Santa Claus is Coming to Town? I don't know, but maybe there is, but there's a song. But I know there's a movie called, uh, about, it has Tiny Tim in it. Who, what movie's that? Christmas Carol, there you go. Okay, and then, um, there's another, a famous movie around Christmas time about, uh, uh, don't shout it out yet. So, I mean, even when I say, I think it's a, a I'm, Jimmy Stewart and uh there's an angel involved and the ringing of the bell and uh it's I think it's a Christmas around Christmas okay it's a wonderful life okay so just running through that list if you were just observing you might think that Christmas is about lights decorations music shopping spending gifts food drink pine trees Santa and the elves Family gatherings, movies, and all kinds of stuff. But as we've been traveling through Colossians, we just happen to be on Colossians chapter 2 9 today. And as we were going through this, and it just, I, I've been overwhelmed for quite a few weeks with this word fullness. And what if Christmas is about fullness? And not the fullness of all those things. But the fullness of God in Christ. And as we've been studying through the book of Colossians, we've seen that Paul, almost like a target, the center of that target is Jesus Christ. And so open your Bibles, Colossians chapter 2, and um, Paul says this in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human traditions and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives In bodily form, and you too have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. And I'm realizing this isn't in the gospel stories, but this is one of the greatest messages of Christmas you could ask for. That God visited us in Christ in all his fullness. John says the same thing in his gospel. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. And then it goes on to say, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. From His fullness... From the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after another. So all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. The word deity, only one time used in the entire Bible. Deity, theotos, it means Godhead. Essentially, perfectly, completely, fully. The very nature and personality of God dwells in Jesus. He is God, begotten, not made. He's the very representation of the Father. The word deity found nowhere else in Scripture. And for years, in the early years after this was written and for years, they wrestled with what in the world did it even mean? There's no bottom to the statement, all the fullness of God dwelt in Him. There's no bottom to it. How do you grasp it? How do you understand it? God in human form, God in the person of Jesus, God through Jesus, born as a baby on earth, in a specific time, Paul wrote this to the Colossians because there was four main heretical theories in Paul's day going on about who Jesus was, who Jesus is. And so when he said, beware, in verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive, He's thinking about this specific thing, and we talked about it again and again since we started Colossians. The person and the work of Jesus. For in Christ, all the fullness of God lives in bodily form. So there was four heretical things in Paul's day, heresies that, and theories that were going on. And we're not going into detail about each one of them. I'm just going to mention them. The docetic theory docetism, that Jesus had no human body. The word docetism means it seemed like. Because how could God suffer? If Jesus was God, he's heading to the cross. How could God suffer? After He, Jesus did die and raised from the dead, there were many questions about who he was. This is one of the theories that came up. There's no way that Jesus had a human body. It was just a mystical form and it appeared to be a human body. That's docetism. Another theory was the Surcranian the theory. And that was where there was a separation that remained between Jesus, the man, and the Messiah, Christ. Gnosticism was another theory that Jesus was in some type of distant emanation of God. He's not God himself. There was different emanations of God that were separating God from man and eventually Jesus was one of those emanations. And lastly, that he was just simply a false teacher who claimed to be God. He's a liar. He's a deluded man. He's a, a shaman. A witch doctor. So those are the theories that were coming out about Jesus. But the whole letter of Colossians... Is focused to declare the nature and the God fullness of Jesus Christ. The God fullness of Jesus Christ. I've been trying to come up with ways to say it to myself and think about um, all the fullness of God lived in Jesus in bodily form. That's what Paul's saying there in Colossians chapter 2. Don't be deceived. Don't be unaware. Don't be led astray. For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives. The God fullness of Jesus Christ. Something to reconsider now during this season where we celebrate lights and decorations and food and trees and music and movies and Santa. That's all part of our culture. It's all part of our life. In a sense if you put if we put that in place of Jesus Christ we're going to be led astray and deceived by all kinds of false teaching. The NIV, the New International version here, it uses the word lives in this in this verse. It says for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives. Several translations use the word dwells. All the fullness of God dwells. The actual word in the Greek, you could translate it either one, but it's an intensifying preposition which shows permanence. It literally means to settle down and occupy. Emmanuel, God with us. That Jesus came, the word became man and dwelt among us. To be at home, to dwell, to live in. so as to place in a permanent residence. The present tense signifies that Jesus has always been and will always be God and will never cease to be God. He wasn't God for a few moments while he was down here on earth 33 years. He was God before. He was God then. He's God now. The third person of the Godhead, Jesus Christ. Paul said the same thing in Philippians two six. In speaking of Jesus, he said, "Who, being in the very nature God, did not regard equality be God with God, something to be clung to or grasp hold of, but allowed himself to become a servant, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. God was and is God in Jesus." He took on human form to come among us, representing God to us and us to God. Think about that. He came for us to represent us to God and God to us. Jesus said things like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, I am the way and the truth and the life. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the door. I'm the gate. I'm the good shepherd. And he kept pointing to his Father. And here it tells us that for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form and you have been given fullness in Christ. Spurgeon wrote that in Christ we enter into fullness and completeness of life, both materially and spiritually. He goes on to say everything then must be in Christ if all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him. Why do you want to go anywhere else for wisdom? All the fullness of wisdom and knowledge is in Him. What can you find by going anywhere else? For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You have everything in Christ that you ought to want. You are fully furnished, completely supplied, and equipped for all future. You need not to go to Christ just for supply of some of your needs and then go elsewhere for other needs, but you are complete in Him. Harry Ironside said this, Christ is a substitute for everything, but nothing is a substitute for Christ. This one verse is more, um, this verse is one more example in Scripture, throughout Scripture, that Jesus was God in the flesh. And Paul is emphasizing to the Colossians and to us that any denial of this great truth that God was in Christ reconciling us to himself, any denial of that in any way, shape, or form is heretical, is false teaching. Even today, almost all the heresies begin from this one denial of this central truth of the incarnation, God in Christ. The Incarnation is a big term which simply means that God in the flesh. But that's not simple. It's not simple if you've heard it again and again that God came to us in Jesus, and God was among us for roughly 33 years in Christ, think again closely and ponder the depth of that. I was reading through some of the, the, the Christmas music. Hark the herald angels sing, Veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail, the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel, God with us. Don't forget what it says very clearly in in verse 8 there. Beware. Beware. See to it. Do not be taken captive to any of the three lies. Paul has three lies right in that one verse. Deceptive philosophy, human traditions, and the basic principles of this world. Deceptive philosophy is just human thinking. Not a bad thing, unless it's human thinking just on human level without any reference and revelation from God. Human traditions is just simply human actions. Each of these areas are steeped with the idea that leave little room, philosophy, human traditions, basic principles of this world, they're steeped with ideas that leave little room for biblical teaching about the person and work of Jesus of Bethlehem. Without revelation, without God's word, without God's actions, we do not have the incarnation. We did not go to him. He came to us. For God so loved the world, He sent His Son. Without the Incarnation, you have no transformation. If Jesus didn't become man, we're lost. God's Word, His speaking became flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh. God's speaking became flesh. Dwelled on earth. Walked among us. Laid down His life for us. Was raised by the power of God on the third day. God's action. The word fullness. It says in the fullness of time, God sent His Son. In the fullness of time, God sent His Son to reconcile us to Him. I thought it was very interesting, the definition of philosophy, and I wanted to read this just briefly. Philosophy, literally, this is out of the, uh, the dictionary, literally the love of wisdom. But in modern exception, philosophy is a general term denoting an explanation of the reason of things, an investigation of the causes of all phenomena, both mind and matter. So it, when applied to any particular de- department of knowledge, it denotes the collection of general laws and principles under which those all are subordinate. Okay? So like in the branch of philosophy which talks about God, that's called theology. In the branch of philosophy that talks about nature, it's called biology. In, in math and sciences, it could be physics. It could be... Um, metaphysics and so philosophy is just a love of wisdom and a continuing pursuit to study but if it's just bound to earth if it's just bound to earth in its human traditions and its basic principles of this world without revelation without looking to what god has done not only just in creation but in revelation you're earthbound Your greatest philosophers will just be earthbound. They'll miss Christmas. They'll think it's about lights and food and traditions and shopping. They'll miss Christmas. But this news that God, all the fullness of God is in Jesus, it's glorious. It's preposterous. It's beyond belief. And what I mean by that is exactly what Paul meant by that. If you rely on man's thinking alone, if you rely on human traditions alone, if you rely on the basic principles of this world alone, you cannot and you will not see the glory of God in the face of Christ. You'll remain earthbound and you'll miss Christmas. Did you see that in verse 8? He said, do not be taken captive. Beware that you're not taken captive by hollow philosophy, deceptive philosophy, which depends on human traditions and the basic principles of this world. So those three things, that philosophy was one of them. Human traditions. Listen, I'm not against human tradition. There's wonderful human traditions. But some of the oldest human traditions, think with me. What are some of the oldest human traditions? And human traditions are basically just human behavior. Before you leave Genesis chapter 4, you have unfaithfulness, unthankfulness, greed, covetousness, deceit, lying, blaming, cover-ups, and murder. Human traditions. Like I said, some of them are wonderful. But there's also other human traditions that just aren't so great. Beware of human traditions. They can deceive you. The basic principles of this world. What is that? Just the fundamentals. Earth, water, fire, air, naturalism, materialism. Since there's no God, we're our own God. The basic principles of this world is you don't get off the planet. This is all there is. We are our best hope. And beware of the basic principle of this world. The philosophy and human tradition and the basic principles of this world will not address the human situation in its fullness, in its completeness. You'll miss the truth that God has come among us. You'll miss the truth that he has done something about the human dilemma, the human problem, the human tragedy. And if you're not aware of the human tragedy, just pay attention to the news for a few minutes. And start asking yourself questions. How do we fix this? What's going on? The human problem, the human dilemma, the human tragedy is the fact that we've rejected God. We've replaced God. We put ourselves in His place. We put ourselves first. We even use His birth as another excuse for self-indulgence. Right? Right? We use the celebration of His birth. And everybody knows He wasn't born on Christmas, December 25th. That's not a problem. We're celebrating the birth of the Savior, God's Son sent. But we turned it into indulgence. In the fullness of time, God sent His Son. God's revelation, the Word became flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us there's no bottom to that. Ponder it. It's mind blowing. 2 Corinthians 5, as I wrap this up, 2 Corinthians 5 says this. And I'm going to read from verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. That's good news. That's Christmas. God's revelation that the Word became flesh, that in Christ all the fullness of deity, all the fullness of the Godhead, God's action, He reconciled us to Himself through Christ, even while we were still sinners. It's mind-boggling. Apart from God's saving grace, how can you grasp that? How can you understand what God has done and why He has done it? That's Christmas. That's the Gospel. That's the greatest gift ever given. That God so loved the world that He sent His Son, the Son of God, is the gift of God. If that's not enough, look at what verse 10 says. Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, And you have been given fullness in Christ. If nothing else today, I hope that there is some hunger in your heart for fullness. And you say, Where can I find fullness? Where is it? At least give me some taste of it before I face death. Where is this fullness? Other versions say, in Him you have been made complete. If this is so, my first question, my first observation is, so why are we so empty? Why do we need anything else? Many times I feel complete, like a complete flop. So what does it mean? All the fullness of the Godhead lived in Jesus in bodily form, and you too have been given fullness. This is a deep and profound truth. Here's how some of the other translations say it. So you have everything when you have Christ. You have everything when you have Christ. You are filled with God Through your union with Christ. Here's another translation. You have been given full life in union with Him. Another one. Moreover, your own completeness is only realized in Him. Another one says, And you are in Him, having been completely filled full with the present result that you were in a state of fullness. You are already ready for the voyage. You are ready for the voyage of life in Him. So, have been made complete. It's the same idea that the NIV uses when it says you have been given fullness. Fullness and complete. Same idea, same word. Have been made complete. Have been given fullness means full, filled, complete. One of the implications of that is being filled. In such a way that you're controlled by whatever fills you. In Christ, there's no deficiency. The believer in Christ has no deficiency. In ourselves, indeed, we are filled with deficiency. Part of the beauty of the gospel is every day when I wake up and there's still death on the earth. There's still decay. There's still pain. There's still sorrow. You know why? Why? I'm not going to answer that. I want to point to Jesus. He so loved the world that He sent His Son into this desperate wreck of a place. He came for us. He came for us. He came for you. He came for me. In Christ, who is fullness. There's no deficiency. There's no end to what people will try to sell you and me to fill that void. Because we've been created in the image of God with God capacity. The ability to know God. The desire to know Him. But in the fall, when we replaced God with ourselves, when we broke trust with Him, we wrecked ourselves. And so God sent His Son to rectify the problem for reconciliation. Paul points to the contrast because Jesus is all in all. He points to the contrast here of the emptiness, the shortcomings of the philosophies of men, the traditions of men, the basic principles of this world compared to Christ. They're not even on the same plane. Look at man apart from God. Look at man apart from God. God who is complete. We're physically incomplete. We're spiritually incomplete. We're mentally incomplete. We're morally incomplete. We're relationally incomplete. Unless any one of us wants to stand up and say, Well, no. I'm all there ever was to be in myself as a human. No, unless you're Jesus himself, you fall far short, as do I, of what God has for us. In him, in him who is fullness, in him who is God, in him who has come to us, for us, we made complete in him. So Paul's driving these Colossians back to Jesus. Christmas is about God sending His Son. For God so loved the world that He sent His Son. My invitation to you is to beware of the fact that Christmas is, holds lots of different things. Lights, decoration, food. And they're good, but they could be the enemy of the best. They could distract us from His glory of seeing the glory of God in the face of Christ, the fullness of God in whom He sent, so that whenever we would believe, we would not perish but have everlasting life. He's come for us, this Messiah. He's come for us. I like the way he's come because he's come in a way that we have to humble ourselves. One day he'll come, and it says every knee will bow and every tongue confess. I'm not sure that's going to be voluntary. Right now, while you're still breathing, it's voluntary. To accept Him or reject Him. Accept Him or reject Him. Acknowledge who He is and what He's done and why at times your heart weeps and breaks and why your heart also at times leaps for joy and hope. There's got to be more than this. There's got to be more than this. God so loved the world that he sent his son. That whosoever believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful that you sent your son. Lord, I pray that again you would just open our dark eyes and our dull hearts. That you would open our ears so that we could really hear the message. That we could see the message. The celebration of lights, you are the light. Music is a gift that you give. Everything we have comes from you. Father, we are grateful and thankful for this season. We're thankful for Christmas. We're thankful for the Christ in Christmas. We're thankful for the reason for the season. And to celebrate as those first folks did. When they heard the good news, behold, I bring you good news of great joy. A child is born. He is Christ the Lord. He has come to save his people from their sin. God with us, Emmanuel. God in Christ. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.